I had a favorite board game growing up I used to play with my brother and sister. It wasn't a very popular board game, but it was called Careers. Anybody here ever heard of the board game Careers? Clearly not very popular. So <laughs> I loved it. It's a lot like the game Life. You know the board game Life? More people? Yeah, a few more people. The, the deal with Careers was that you had the opportunity to write down your secret success formula and you kept it hidden. So at the beginning of the game, before the game even started, so it's a board game, you wrote down how many stars and hearts and how much money you were going to try to collect. And you didn't tell anybody. You just wrote this down uh, and it had to add up to a certain number so that everyone was going to the same final number. But then you began to play the game and you maneuvered your way around the board and you went to get a college degree or you got certain, uh, went through certain professions trying to arrive at your secret success formula, which was different for everyone. And so that was the unique thing of the game. You got to choose, and so every game was different. And so, well, I was the youngest child, so that meant I normally lost. Um, but at the end, whoever the winner was would reveal their secret success formula. Like I went for 40 hearts and 30 stars and $30,000 or whatever it was. And so as the youngest, I would pay attention and I'm like, ooh, whatever they did, I would do that the next time because that must be the magic secret success formula. Well, if you think about it, that's a little bit like what it's like to be a parent uh, in today's world. I mean, we all want to have our kids experience success and really one of the great burdens in being a parent is trying to think how do you maneuver your child through life in such a way uh, to at least give them the best chance to be prosperous and successful. And the thing is, is that most of us are doing this using some secret success formula that we're trying to kind of navigate people through. Now, I'm talking about parents and children. It's Father's Day. What I'm about to say has every relevance for moms, and what I'm about to say has every relevance for humans. We're all trying to navigate our way through life in such a way that at the end, when the game is over, we say, yes, yeah, successful. I was successful at life. The kids, I put them in the, you know, the right position to be successful. But if you think about it, that sort of secret success formula, at least from the world's point of view, that's a pretty long list of things. And I was thinking about it this week about what are things that the world thinks you need in order to be successful? And I thought through things like, uh, you know, like being a good manager of money, having a healthy attitude towards sex, having a good self-image, those kinds of things. And I was thinking, you know what, maybe you all could help me this morning kind of fill out that list. Now again, I know as Christians, the right answer is be like Jesus and you'll be successful. And I completely agree with that. But I'm more thinking right now about what are things that as parents or as individuals, when we're in the world, you kind of hear this message of the things that you want for your kids or for yourself. Things like uh, being good at interacting with technology. I think God wants that for us too. So what are those kinds of things when you think about success, those characteristics or uh, traits of people who are successful in the world today? Hard worker. Honesty. Great integrity a good education that's clearly a lot of people think that's the that's a key to success good friends that's right good communication skills yeah that's a key to being able to be successful in the world helping others be strong 
You're going to face difficult things through life. Uh, have strength to endure them. Good character. A close family. That's right. A support unit. Uh, if you don't have a biological family, uh, a, a, a social family that can support you, a community to help you along the way. Great. A good church. I'm all for that. Take risks. Willingness to take risks. Yeah, you, we, want, we want somebody who's got courage. Willingness to wait, wait. honor God. Yeah, great. Charisma, good social skills, sort of networking ability. Good mentor, determination. Yeah, and if you listen to this list, we could keep going, couldn't we? We have a long list. And if you listen, even with Christian ears, you're going to say, yeah, that's, that's, those are good things. Like God wants us to be good at managing money. God wants us to have a community around us. These are the things uh, that, yes, this is a part of what it means to sort of be successful in life. Now, of course, we know when God defines success, it's different than the way the world defines success. But when we talk about having a a healthy self-image, a healthy body image, having a healthy self-esteem, these are things that God is for, okay? But the rub comes... In how do you get there? So as a parent, you look at your child and say, yeah, I want those things for them. As a human, you look at that for yourself and you say, that's what I want for me too. But the question is, how do you get there? And that's where the secret success formula comes in. Because every single one of us is working with some success formula that involves some level of education, some level of extracurricular activity, some level of professional development, some level of mentoring, some level of experiencing, experiences, special projects, adventures, whatever. And we're working with this success formula and we think if we put our kids through these in the kind of the right proportions or we do these ourselves, what you get out at the end is good communicators, people with uh, children with lots of charisma or ability to engage with us or, or interact with those who are different than we are. But the problem is with that secret success formula is that when you hear, you ever had this experience where you're a parent perhaps and you're talking to another parent and they're like, yeah, my kid's in Taekwondo and they're doing really fantastic and they're, it's sharpening their mind and your body and you start thinking, well, my kid's not in Taekwondo. Maybe I need to sign them up for Taekwondo. You ever had that experience? Or somebody tells you, you know, I've been gluten-free for the past six months and I feel fantastic and you think, well, I don't have gluten-free on my success formula. I got to add gluten-free. Because that's the thing is that sometimes you hear about people who are successful in life and one of the journalism questions is, what's your formula for success? And then they tell you something. Like I wake up every morning at four o'clock and I walk around the house eight times. Like I don't do that. I got to add that to my list. (laughs) It's stressful, isn't it? The list starts to grow and grow and grow and you think, man, I got to keep dividing my week up into ever smaller segments so I can do all of these things. And it's really a burden. This morning, I want to cut through some of the clutter and let God's Word bring clarity to the idea of success in life. So please take a Bible and turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. In the church Bibles, that's page 169. And again, as you're turning, I just want to remind you There are lots of things that the world says is important for success or a means to get to success that God wants nothing to do with. But the things that we listed today, the idea of being respectful, of having honesty, integrity, good relationships, these are things God wants for us. 
And when we think about, okay, how do we, when we get to the end of the li- the, our lives, how do we have God say, yes, that was a successful life? Well, I want to allow God's Word to cut through all of the, the list, because it could be long. And listen to what he has to say this morning. Joshua 1, verse 8. Keep this book of the law, meaning the Bible, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Got that? Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. We may have a long list of things, but God's Word says, look, it's really pretty simple. Do you want to be successful? Do you want your children to be successful? Again, using God's definition of success, the key is meditate on God's Word and do what it says. If you currently are facing an assignment that God has given you, some tasks he's asked you to do, a building project, a relational thing you're going through, something at work, and you are wondering, how can I ensure that this assignment turns out successfully? The answer, according to Joshua 1.8, is very, very simple. Meditate on God's Word day and night and do what it says. Just one thing, you see that? Not a long list. Not hundreds of things, just one thing that God says, look, do you want to be successful and prosperous? One thing, meditate on God's word day and night and do what it says. Now it's so simple and so straightforward that we might potentially have some objections or questions that we got to work through. Can it really be saying this? First one. Isn't this just for Joshua? Like, isn't this God telling Joshua, look, I got a whole book of stuff you're about to do. In order to do well at all that stuff going into the land, I want you to meditate on my word. That's not for us, is it? Well, I think it is. First of all, if it was just for Joshua, why write it down? Joshua got this orally. By the time this is written down, it's too late for Joshua. Joshua got this orally, but it was written down for us. This is actually God speaking to us today. Notice, it doesn't say only Joshua keeps. It says you. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. You and me meditate on it day and night that you and I will be careful to do everything written in it. Then we will be successful and prosperous. Now, if we're still having trouble thinking that this is for us and not just for Joshua, how about what Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3 says? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. That person, meaning any person, not just Joshua, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, what? Prospers. Same message. 
meditate on God's Word day and night, and you will prosper. Everything you do will prosper. Not just Joshua, you and me, anybody who does this. Second possible objection. Well, yeah, there's just one thing here, but that's only because we're only looking at one verse. (laughs) If we really looked at the whole Bible, there may be hundreds of things that we have to do to be successful. And if we did all of those, it would feel just as cluttered and just as filled with difficulty as our secret success formulas feel now. You picked a verse that's got one thing in it. True. I should tell you that if you take the Hebrew word for success and the Hebrew word for uh, prosper and do a search on them in the Old Testament, you will find there are a few other things that God connects with those words which are sort of associated with God's word, like you should inquire of the Lord, you should ask him for guidance, and then you will experience uh, success. But by far and away, the majority of times those words are used, they're used in connection with God's word. That what Joshua is representing here is he didn't just pick one out of a hundred things. He picked the thing in the Bible that is connected to being successful and prospering. It's God's Word. And after all, that's how God's work is designed, God's Word is designed to work. Listen to the King James Version of Isaiah 55, 11. God says about the Bible, about His Word, so shall my Word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I've sent it. God's Word does stuff. We talked about that when we were in Hebrews 4. God's Word is living and active. When God sends His Word to your life, it is being sent there to create that prospering. It's designed to create success. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have more insight than all my teachers because I meditate on your word. This is what God's word is designed to do. Joshua 1.8 is not just picked one thing at random, and if we turn to other passages, we would find hundreds and thousands of things that we need to do. Joshua 1.8 is doing for us. It's simply taking all of this and bringing clarity to say, look, it's really pretty simple. Meditate on God's word day and night and do whatever he tells you. That's the key to experiencing success and prosperity in whatever assignment God's given you. But that leads to the third objection. When it says success and prosperity, that doesn't really mean success. That means like spiritual success, right? Like if I meditate on God's word, I'll be a fantastic person at prayer, but I'll be terrible at my job. Or I'll be really good at praising God, but I'll be horrendous at school. It doesn't really mean success like the world or like we might think of success. Again, the world's got a different definition of success. But I think this verse means what you think it means, which is success and prosperity. For example, these same words are used of Joseph when he experiences success in a secular work environment for non-believing bosses. It's the same word that's used for David when he experiences more success than Saul, meaning he was more successful than Saul. It's the word that's used for military success. 
It's a word for used when you accomplish a great task. It's a word that's used, its New Testament version, the, the Greek translation of this Hebrew word, is used in the context of money. It's used in the context of things going well in life. Now, of course, we all know success and prosperity in God's world does not mean no trials. It does not mean everything goes smoothly. That's not what it means. But when we talk about success, it means what you think it means, which is if you want your child to be successful in God's eyes, this is what this verse is talking about. Perhaps the easiest way to see this. You know the phrase in the Old Testament, why do the wicked prosper? That's this word. When you look at the wicked and you go, why are they seemingly so successful or prospering? The point is, look, from outward appearance, it does sometimes look like the wicked are prospering, like their lives are going really, really well. The point of Joshua 1.8 is that, hey, look, those who are non-Christians who are acting in wicked ways, their lives are only have the appearance of being successful. But for a Christian, genuine success does come. It just comes differently than it does for those who are following wicked ways. For example, you can think of a wicked person as sort of like that company that shows up on the scene, real just huge growth, Lots of people want to go work there. Lots of press about them. Everything seems to be going well. They're hiring like crazy. You know because you're in the industry that they're doing it because they're following shady practices, unethical things. But it looks like the company is really going gangbusters. That's the wicked prospering. What Joshua 1.8 is talking about is for the Christian, well, that's not the company that goes bankrupt. Joshua 1.8 is talking about the company that through slow and steady growth, doing things the right way, having difficulties, sometimes two steps forward, one step back, uh, going through obstacles, slowly over time becomes a great place to work, a wonderful blessing to the people who work there, and a successful business. That's the point. The wicked prosper because they do unethical things. The righteous still experiencing that prospering, it just comes in a different way. And Joshua 1.8 is trying to say, if you want to experience success, if you want to experience prospering, meditate on God's word and do what it says. Maybe the simplest way to put it is this. Whatever assignment you can think of that God has given you, an assignment to walk through the loss of a loved one, an assignment of a difficult work assignment at job, uh, the assignment of a, of, of a confrontation you have to do with someone. The assignment of a child who's walked away. Whatever assignment God has given you, Joshua 1.8 is promising, guaranteeing that assignment will turn out to be successful if you meditate on God's word and do what it says. That's the point of the verse. Whatever God asks you to do, Whatever ministry he asks you to be part of, whatever neighborhood Bible study he wants you to do, whatever work situation he puts you into, that will be a success in his eyes and ultimately in your eyes if you meditate on God's word and do what it says. It's very, very simple. But having said that it's simple, that doesn't mean it's easy. All right? You understand the difference? Simple meaning, look, just one thing. 
But please don't hear me saying, or God's word saying, if you have some quiet time for five minutes every day, you're going to be successful. That's not what this says. This says meditate on God's word day and night so that you can be careful to do everything God tells you to do through it. It's simple, straightforward, easy to understand, not necessarily easy to do. So that raises the question, what does it mean to meditate? What does it mean to meditate on something? Well, to meditate is to think about something. It's to read something. To meditate on the Bible is to read it out loud sometimes. It's to talk about it. It's to discuss it. It's to think about it. It's to mull it over in your mind. Let me give you one example of what it looks like to meditate on God's Word from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this is especially relevant because it has to do with parents and kids. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That's one way it looks to meditate on something. It's to talk about it when you're on the road. It's to have discussions about it. It's to read God's Word. It's to listen to God's Word. It's to think about God's Word. Have you ever had the experience where you have a conversation coming up with somebody that you're dreading and you run it through in your mind over and over again well what if I say this how would they respond to that and you try to think through every possible way that that conversation can go well or have you ever had the experience where something negative happened to you recently and you keep going back and revisiting it and keep thinking through well why did this happen and what did they mean when they said that and you kind of become fixated on it or the experience where you're perhaps in a bit of a financial crisis and you constantly are thinking through, well, how are we going to do this? What if we cut that? And what if we didn't spend money on this? Could we make these numbers work? That kind of mental processing where you're thinking of, that's meditating. And what Joshua 1 8 is saying is if you do that with God's word instead of just that upcoming conversation or that financial crisis or that negative event. If you turn it over in your mind, if you think about it, if you talk about it, if you discuss it, if you kind of play it through, you're meditating on God's Word. And if you do that day and night, not just one minute here, not just kind of when you think about it, if you do that day and night, you will experience success and prosperity according to God. It's a promise. It's a promise. Now what does that look like? Well, let me give you seven very practical ways that you could meditate on God's Word. If you do one of these or two of these, they will increase your meditation. If you do all seven of them, you will be meditating on God's Word more. Seven very practical things I think you can do this week. Number one, Listen to a sermon at least once a week. So congratulations, you're almost done with number one. You got to hold on about 15 more minutes, 10 more minutes, and you're going to make it. You can check that one off your list. What we're doing right now is we're meditating on Joshua 1.8. That's what this is. We're talking about it. We're discussing it. I'm presenting stuff about it. You're thinking about it. If you go home today after the service and you keep talking about the sermon, even if you say things like, I don't know if that's what success means, or I'm not sure that I agree, 
That's fine. You're still meditating on God's Word. You're still doing it. The conversation is continuing. That's meditating on God's Word. There are lots of other great preachers out there. There are lots of other people that you could listen to. As long as the person is discussing God's Word, when you listen to that sermon, you're meditating on God's Word. Second thing that you can do. Take a 3 by 5 card and write Joshua 1.8 or another verse on that and put it in your car. Just take the card and put it in your car. And for one day this week, let's say Monday, on your way to work or whatever you're going to, practice running kids here, whatever it may be, turn off the radio and think about that verse. Just think about it. It's just right there on a card. Don't stare at it because you crash, but just think about it. Now, I should tell you, if your mind begins to wander and you start to think about tasks that you have to do, that's okay. Meditation doesn't have to be super focused. Just as you're thinking about those tasks that are coming, occasionally ask what that verse that's on that card might have to do with those tasks. And if you find yourself kind of drifting off into other thoughts, that's fine. Just occasionally come back and go, yeah, Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do all that's written on it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Huh, what would success look like today in these tasks? Great, that's meditating on God's word. It doesn't mean that every moment and every thought has to be a literal quote from scripture. It just means it's right there on that card. And instead of listening to the radio or something else, I'm just gonna have this right here. And as I'm thinking through my day or whatever it is that comes to mind, I'm going to occasionally come back and go, yeah, I got this verse I'm thinking about too. All right, number three. Today at dinner or with your small group or uh, with a group of people, Christians, that you're around at lunch today, whatever it may be, take a verse, Joshua 1.8, or another verse, and simply ask everybody, when you hear that verse, what does it make you think? Okay, we're not looking for some sort of seminary degree here. We just want you to answer the question, what comes to mind when you hear that verse? Simply go around the table and let it... Or, what question comes to mind when you hear that verse? When you hear that, what do you think? Just simply, meditation doesn't mean that you have the answers to everything. It just means you're thinking about it. And if you go around the table and you get done and everybody asks a question and no one has any answers to any of the questions, that's perfectly fine. If you want, just pray and say, thank you, Lord, for allowing us to ask these questions. But you spent that whole time thinking about that verse, and you may be surprised. God may answer some of those questions as you go through your week. Four. For those of you who like to listen to music while you cook or while you're out running or whatever, pick a day this week, and instead of listening to just general worship music, or secular music, or whatever you're listening to, listen to music that is based on Scripture. So we sang all the songs we sang today except for the first one, the Lay Me Down song. Those are all directly from Scripture. Listen to those songs. When you listen to a song that is singing Scripture, you're meditating on Scripture. Give thanks to the Lord our God and King. His love endures forever. That's a direct quote from Scripture. You may not know that. But listen to that song or other songs uh, that you can do that with. 
I think we're going to have, uh, have a, uh, Lisa and I have a blog post. I think there'll be instructions about places where you can find songs on there uh, that, that might be able to help you. But simply listening to that music, you're meditating on God's Word. Number five, this is something I've been doing recently. If it weirds you out, don't do it. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not currently in the midst of a Bible reading plan. I like Bible reading plans. I think they're great. I think they're wonderful. I'm just not currently in the midst of one. If you're not currently in the midst of a Bible reading plan, it can sometimes be intimidating. Say, well, where am I supposed to start? Do I just turn it to Genesis or do I just start in Matthew? What am I supposed to be reading right now? So what I've done, I found a random number generator online. And I asked, uh, I found it. Now, you could set the limits. I asked for a random integer between 1 and 66. And I simply prayed and said, Lord, choose me the book of the Bible you want me to read today. And so I put in 1 to 66. I asked for a number. There are 66 books in the Bible. Whatever number came back, I turn to the table context, I count down to that number, and I read that book. You can do it another way. You can just simply ask one of your kids, pick a number between 1 and 66 and ask them for a number, and then read that book. It's been really fascinating because, look, there's nothing, any part of Scripture is good. You can't get in a bad part of Scripture. I just started reading, and I asked myself the question, huh, I wonder why God chose this book of the Bible for me today. You may not, maybe it's a long book. Maybe you got Psalms and you're like, I can't read 150 of these. That's fine. Just read a couple of them. Just read a chapter or two and just see if God says anything to it. When you're reading, you're meditating on God's word. And if you, rather than simply say, go find a reading plan and sign up for the next three years, I'm just saying, pick a random number. Ask God to use that. Nothing in this world is random. Simply ask God, why'd you pick this for me today? And read something. See what it says. Okay, number six. In your small group or as an individual with some friends in your family, go around and ask this question. If we were going to hang one verse on the outside of our house so that everybody who walked by our house would read it, what verse would that be and why? Now, hopefully you all have different answers, but just ask that question. Why? Why would you hang John 3.16 outside your house? Or why would you hang uh, Romans 10.22 outside? Why would you do that? Great. Or, and, ask the question, if you were going to hang a verse on the inside of your house so that everybody before they left your house in your family saw that verse, what verse would it be? Would it be something like, choose this day whom you will serve? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Just what verse would it be and why? And you could ask, or you could ask, if you were going to paint one verse in your bedroom on the wall, what verse would it be and why? Just see how the discussion goes. See what people say. Okay, and number seven. Memorize Joshua 1.8. Or another verse. Just maybe even this week. One verse a day. See if you can get seven verses memorized. Joshua 1.8 and 9. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that's written in it. Then you'll be prosperous. Then you'll be successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The reason why that's our benediction is because when I first started memorizing verses as an adult, God led me to this one and I thought, that's what I want. I want a life that's successful and prosperous in God's eyes. Okay? That doesn't mean all the money you want, no, it doesn't mean that. But I want a life that's successful and prosperous. And so God said, well, why don't you remember this verse? And so I have remembered this verse for a long time. Memorize it. If you don't know it, memorize it. 
It'll help you every Sunday morning when we say our benediction. Find another verse. To memorize a verse is to meditate on God's Word. Seven suggestions. Look, you can do these. Okay? The more, more time you integrate into your schedule, the more Joshua 1.8 is going to be true. Now listen, parents. I'm not here to tell you Get everything else off your secret success formula and only meditate on God's Word. But I am telling you from God's Word how to reprioritize whatever's on that list. God's for education. I'm for education. God's for extracurricular experiences. All of those kinds of things. But I'm telling you from, the, from, from God's Word what has to be number one on that list. Meditate on God's Word day and night and do whatever it tells you to do. If as a parent, you've been wildly successful in helping your kid get good grades, helping them to develop a healthy attitude and diet and exercise and athletics, having them have a musical appreciation uh, and be good at appreciating art, that's wonderful. But if they don't know how to meditate on God's Word, if they're not doing that, that's going to be a real problem. And so I'm not saying stop everything else. I'm just saying, look, Push this one to the top of the list. There isn't anything else listed here. All those other things are good. This one has a promise from God that says, if you do this, you will be successful. For the rest of us who may not be thinking this in terms of Father's Day or parenting or any of that kind of stuff, whatever assignment you've been given... The promise and guarantee of God is, if you meditate on my word, you will be successful at that assignment. The Bible is very clear. Don't be hearers of the word and only and not doers also. If you put these things in practice, you will experience success at that assignment. And if right now you feel stalled out and you think, I just can't make it anymore, you feel like, hey, we've adopted this child and we've run into a wall and it's been very difficult, you feel like, hey, I've been trying at my workplace to do a better job and I'm just having a hard time, I promise you, whatever wall you've run into, if you choose to meditate on God's Word and do whatever it says, you will somehow get through that wall. You will somehow... I'm preaching this to us as a church because I told you at the beginning with Grace Beyond, we got a big wall in front of us and it's not one that we paid to have built. It's there. How are we going to get around it? I don't know, but we're going to meditate on God's Word and we're going to do whatever He tells us to do because the promise is we want success. That's what comes. So please, please, it can be really, really stressful to think about the long list of things you got to do in order to be successful. God's cutting through all that clutter. And in very clear terms, he's saying one thing. Move it to the top of the list. Meditate on God's word day and night. Do whatever he tells you to do. And you will be successful. Let's pray. Father, even now, we feel doubt creeping in. Your word can't really help me with this. It's not really going to raise that money. It's not really going to take care of this. But Lord, give us the faith to believe and the courage to obey. 
You have commanded us to keep this book of the law always on our lips. It's not an option. Lord, I've presented it today from your word as a means by which we can experience success. And so, God, I thank you for that. But, God, help us to know that this is what you are commanding us to do, not to harm us, but to bless us. God, I pray for those who right now are saying, yeah, I'll try, I'll try. God, would you meet them in that? Lord, this is the time. Now is the time. If they do one of these seven things, Lord God, I pray that you would just open up heaven and show them the blessings of meditating on your word. God, I pray that if they try to memorize something, and Lord, it's a struggle for them, that you'd meet them in that struggle. Lord, I pray that if they write this on a three-by-five card and put it in their car, Lord, I pray that you would meet them in that. God, this is your chance. I can only tell them what your word says. You're the one who proves that it's true. And so, God, I commit each and every one of us to you. Lord, here's your chance. Show us the truth of this verse. God, we want to be people who, who at the end of our life, Hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to experience success. God, the way you define it. And so, Lord, enable us, give us the courage to obey you in this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.